Hello, and welcome to GameCast, a podcast about gaming created by us, students in David Morgan's first-year writing class at Emory University. Read, write, play. Some have claimed that video games are becoming the greatest storytelling medium of our age. So we will explore the impact of this developing medium on our society. Each week for the rest of the semester, a pair of students will play a game and discuss it using terms and ideas from Ian Bogost's Doing Things with Video Games. We hope that we can investigate and describe a wide variety of innovative methods of expressive representation. You can find us on the web at bit.ly slash rwpgamecast. And my name is Samsara, um, and welcome, welcome to, to GameCast. Game Our episode is about Candy Crush and Ian Bogus' term, branding and habituation. Um, we are going to be talking about the effect Candy Crush has on everyday life in the 21st century. And we'll be making references to his book, um, How to Do Things with Video Games. To start off, we have a friend of ours. Her name is Sarah, and she's never played Candy Crush before. Which is actually quite surprising, because many people have played it. Or are addicted to it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we asked her to play a few easy levels, and then we gave her a hard level to play, and we sort of saw how she reacted to it, and we asked her a few questions. Sweet. It's flashing when I don't know which ones to, to do. It flashes. It's really pretty easy. Um, it's really easy to get, like, combo matches, like, if you... I just get one, it'll like trigger a chain reaction. Oh, I just got a whole row. <laughs> um, oh, I just completed the level. Alright, three stars. And you get special candy? Oh my. <laughs> um, okay, so you get special candy if you get a tea match. Which is three different ones, two times. Um, so I'm gonna try and get some more of those. Level 499, um, and supposedly it's really hard. Oh my goodness. Um, you have to clear all the jelly. I don't really know what that means, <laughs> but the jelly bean is flashing red at me, so I'm gonna switch that and just do what I know. Okay, so. I lost this level because I did not get 110,000 points. I only got 65,000 points, and I did not remove the jelly. I still had 31 jellies left to remove, but that's okay. Um, what do you think about the fact that it says play on for 10 gold points, for 10 gold bars, and the fact that you have to buy the gold bars? Um, okay, so that definitely... Um, is a way for the app to make money, um, but also it sort of contributes to the addictive factors because it's it's straight up telling you to like keep playing, like don't stop now, like keep playing our game, you know. Um, so I can definitely see how like some of the like messaging that's in this app definitely wasn't as present in the um, earlier levels, but it is now. So I see why people just like keep playing and playing and playing and like level up till they get to like level a thousand and things like that.
Do you think that the candy in the game it sort of influences the person into buying that specific candy or that type of candy? Um, I think it does because you spend like a lot of time playing on the game and you spend a lot of time like looking at the candy. So definitely I could see how there would be like subliminal like, oh, I want to go like get this candy now, you know, just like things like that that you don't really realize. But then you like want to go and get candy after you play it for so long. <laughs> how do you feel about the music and what kind of audience do you think <laughs> that the game is trying to attract? Um, the music was pretty nice. It was just like, it was just like relaxing and sort of just like made you just like want to play and like keep going. Um, and as for the audience, I think that it doesn't really have one specific audience because like it's easy enough that children can play it. Um, and it's pretty like colorful and bright. So children would obviously like the game, but of course, like adults like it, teenagers like it. Um, so I think it's just like a general audience for like whoever, like as wide of an audience um, as they can get it to be for. So Candy Crush Saga was released by King in April 2012. So and then since then they released like a lot of other games like Soda Crush, uh, Candy Crush Jelly. And branding has played like a huge role in the success of all these games, but it mostly stems from the popularity of Candy Crush. Now, firstly, Candy Crush successfully made like a lot of reoccurring themes in all of their games. Um, the design in all of the games is very similar. They use like a lot of very colorful graphics and bright characters with cheerful music, and they sort of have the same font for each game. So, Soda Crush Saga, Candy Crush Jelly, and Candy Crush—they all they have like the same sort of theme. The gameplay is the same. You just match up different types of candy and then you move on to a higher level after you complete each level. And the game, it sort of, it starts off easy and then it begins to get hard. And then there's an easier level again and then it gets harder and harder. After playing for a while, you can realize that there's an algorithm that plays into the game that makes it so that you will keep playing. So if there's like a harder level and then you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore right afterwards, there'll be like a really easy level. So you feel good about yourself. So I guess that can also play into effect habituation, uh, Ian Bogo's term habituation and branding. Uh, the thing about branding that they did was, of course, the recurring theme and how they only advertise king games in all of their games. Question that like arises when we're like when people play Candy Crush is like is this game addictive? It's basic enough for preschoolers. Like you feel like accompli accomplishments are experienced as many awards in our brains, which like releases the neurochemical dopamine. And tapping into the same neural circuitry involved in addiction reinforcing our actions. Um, the game itself also plays a crucial role in learning. Like yeah. Samsara said. Like, the game, we can easily tire, but the game keeps coming back in several ways and gets harder. The wins become more intermittent. So like I was saying earlier, a big part of the video games in Candy Crush is advertising. So while playing the game, ads for other King games pop up here and there. While browsing the internet, the ads for Candy Crush, they sort of light up the screen even if you're not playing the game. And it's not difficult to understand why anyone, especially kids, would not want to play the game. It's made very attractively, and advertisements and branding would be hard to ignore. And the branding of Candy Crush, it also says a lot about their target audience. Clearly, they're not just targeting children because the game advertises everywhere. 
Now, although it seems they are using colors and cartoons to grab kids' attention, they also want adults of all ages to play the game, and that's why I think our moms are addicted. And because they make it particularly easy to begin with, even though it gets progressively more difficult, you keep wanting to play as you win, and if you face a challenge, it's a challenge that you'll want to face. So the game has also used its gameplay system and the level system as a means of branding. Developers in the game claim the game is won through luck rather than one swiping skills, meaning players will lose more often than win, leaving players to question when the next one will be. This does not discourage us, but rather make the game more enticing. This is the same tactic like slot machines use. You can never predict when you're going to win, but you win just often enough to keep coming back for more. Once you run out of five lives, you can't play anymore. That is very rewarding when you are let back into the candy land. So it seems that the deprivation makes the reward much more sweeter in the end. It is also not a coincidence that this game is played with pieces of candy. Like food is often used in gambling games, like tying our happy associations and the pleasure we derive from eating in the game. King also acknowledges that candy's positive associations help make the game more fun and relaxing. So in the chapter Branding, Bogos just talks about political branding and how Obama and other politicians, they used video games as a means to get access to the young voters. But he doesn't really mention how games become brands themselves, um, specifically video games. He talks more about Monopoly and how it became a brand of its own, but not video games and how Candy Crush has definitely become a brand. And... I think that not just Candy Crush, but King in itself has become a brand. No matter who you ask, wherever you go, everyone knows what Candy Crush is, what King is, and how addictive it is. So the internet definition for branding that we found is, quote-unquote, the process involved in creating a unique name and image for a product in the consumer's mind, and mainly through advertising campaigns with a consistent theme. Branding aims to establish a significant and differentiated presence in the market that attracts and retains loyal customers. Candy Crush definitely follows this definition of branding rather than the definition that Bogos uses. He talks about branding and how other companies or other brands use video games in terms of advertising for their own brands, but he doesn't talk about how video games become brands of their own like I just mentioned. So Candy Crush definitely has become a brand of its own. Like literature, a lesson can be taken away from video games. In Candy Crush, there are several lessons that can be taken from it. There are always more than one option, and the first one that you find doesn't mean it's the best. Like this lesson arises when finding a match with candies, but if one looks elsewhere, a better option might be out there. Another lesson that can be taken from this game is that every move counts and one should make them count. Sometimes there's no going back after decision and one should make it count so there are no regrets. Another similarity found between literature and games is that both make you think. In Candy Crush, as stated before, every move counts and finding the correct moves takes time to think of. Both literature and Candy Crush force you to think for yourself. When reading literature, one is forced to come to their own conclusions while reading the book. That is exactly the same with Candy Crush. One will not be able to predict what exactly will happen, forcing people to come to their own conclusions. Okay, so I started playing Candy Crush when it first came out. So I've played through all three sagas, actually. And for the Candy Crush, I'm on level 501. On Soda, I'm on 834 right now. So I'm pretty far into the game. Um... Honestly, I would say, like, I probably do have an addiction because, like, 
all my friends make fun of me for still playing, like, for playing the game. Like, it's been more than four years since the game has came out, and they're just, like, super confused all the time when they see me pull out my phone and play it. And, like, a lot of the times, like, before I go to sleep, like, it, like, playing Candy Crush helps me sleep. So, like, it's just something I do to pass time or when I have nothing else to do. Yeah, and I just have never really stopped playing Candy Crush. Like, I may have, like, deleted one or two of the sagas that I was playing, but I've always kept at least one of them on my phone. Also, like, another reason why, like, I play and I'm just always into it is because, like, my mom also plays. She is actually a lot further than I am, and sometimes, like, at some points in the game, I have to, like, try to, like, or depending on which saga it is, like, I try to catch up or, like, get ahead of her. And, like, so, we like, sometimes we play together, but, like, I never have bought any of the game, like the boosters in Candy Crush, but my mom has. Um, so my experience is kind of similar, but um, I started playing like a lot after everybody else. It, I was like never really attracted to it, but my mom, she still plays and she's still, she's still addicted. So sometimes if I see her playing, then I'll just like join her and then we'll like solve like one of the levels together. Um, like, another reason why I might think I'm addicted to the game is that, like, I'm, like, really impatient, like, with getting the lives, and I don't want to send, like, requests on Facebook to ask for lives, so what I do to get more lives and to keep playing instead of buying the boosters is turn my time, like, five hours ahead, or, like, three hours ahead to get five lives, and then I just keep doing that. So if I keep losing the five lives, I can keep playing anyways. And I think that, like, you're not the only person who does that. Like, a lot of people, if they want, which they obviously do want more lives as soon as possible, they have a habit of doing that. So that definitely plays into account how addictive the game is and the effect that it has on people and what they will do to get more lives. Thanks for listening to GameCast. Please leave feedback down below.